My guest today is Patricia Grote, the Executive Director of the Iowa International Center. The Iowa International Center connects international visitors and Iowans to educational and cultural resources and leadership that makes Iowa a more inclusive and welcoming place to live, work, and raise a family. As a leader in international understanding and civic diplomacy, their mission is to enrich lives and create pathways to prosperity. Their vision is to create global community, welcoming the world to Iowa. Our topic today is building global understanding and connectivity. I'm going to call you Pat because I know that's what you like being called. So Pat, welcome to Northgate Cafe. Thank you. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited because we met recently at the Citizen Diplomacy Summit um, hosted by the Iowa Sister States, and we were at the same table. <laughs> we were at the same table. <laughs> I was like, yay. <laughs> so we got talking, and I was like, we need to have you on this podcast. So to start out with, um, obviously, I shared a little bit with those listening about what the International Iowa International Center is, but from your words, your perspective, what is the Iowa International Center? Your description was right on, and it's a very high level. Um, let me give you a little more practical day-to-day uh, ex- explanation of what Iowa International Center does. We really have a, a spectrum of services from international exchange, where we welcome visitors, to all the way through helping refugees. And nested in amongst all of that are our linguistic services, So we do in-person interpretation, written translation. We have some interpretation hotlines so that we can help people in housing and emergency situations, first responders, for example, so that they can get connected to um, an interpreter to help those really critical, scary situations. Um, They can help the communication be better in that situation. Wow, that's amazing. So what kind of languages are we talking for this hotline? there are about 150 languages on the hotline. So, (laughs) you know, um, we know here in the Des Moines area, there are about 100 languages spoken. Wow. So we we cover those. And as our world changes and we have more immigrants and more refugees come to the United States, the language needs in our communities really expand. So we see an uptick in those languages. That's amazing. I had, I knew, I knew we had a lot of cultural minorities and groups here in Iowa. I did not realize it was hundred, at least a hundred languages. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, you know, in some regions in the world, uh, small regions, people can talk five different languages. It just kind of depends on which village you're from. You know, we'll get a little bit of a different dialect. And that's important to respect those dialects because people feel like they're heard more and more understood. No, I completely understand that. Um, we, you know, having grown up uh, cross-culturally, um, I lived and worked amongst indigenous tribes in Panama. Uh, my parents had a nonprofit, so we saw that firsthand. Uh, people, when they can hear their language and be understood in their own language, there's a sense of, of peace. And so, um, what was your journey? How did you get involved in the Iowa International Center? I got here by a very circuitous route. <laughs> um, I have worked in not-for-profit my entire career, either on the consulting side or actually in the organization side. So I have that history. And if I go back a little bit further, um, my undergraduate degree was it was in advertising. So I, I have this creative side that I wanted to talk yeah. about. But then I had a political science and an English writing and a German language minors. Wow. So yeah, college was busy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And if I go back a little bit further, uh, my uncle was an instructor across the world. So he taught English on German air bases and in Okinawa. Mm. So we would go to the airport and pick him up. He would bring us 
trinkets from his travels in the world. So my interest in international relations was really spiked at an early age, and it just kind of grew over time. Isn't that true, though? Like, as as young children or, or teens, we're sponges, right? And these these certain moments can influence many, many factors of our, our life. I remember my teacher was at fifth grade, no, sixth grade. Um, she had traveled to China extensively, and she had prizes for us that weren't stickers and they weren't you know whatever if we if we got a good grade we got like these actual ornaments and things from China and I remember that resonating with me because I got really intrigued back then I was reading encyclopedias (laughs) about China and got really interested just from that little insert Uh, so in a way the Iowa International Center I understand you're also providing opportunities for people in Iowa to get exposure to other cultures Yeah, that's true. Um, We have hosted international visitor programs for more than 40 years. We're working on 45, I think. Um, So sometimes people come to Des Moines and they stay two or three days, and sometimes they stay 15 days. And we host them in different ways. Sometimes we set up professional appointments and do that over a course of a few days and arrange for a home hospitality dinner, which is really one of the most influential things you can do with a visitor. That meal, that sharing of bread and talking to an American family, an Iowa family, that's where the connections are truly made. Professional development's really great. You can do some economic kinds of things, but sharing that meal um, makes makes the commonalities really big. Uh, you're, you're right on the money there. Um, food, celebrating together around the table, it softens everything. I think people think... Uh, foreign exchange or diplomatic relations and they think you know like long meetings and with people in business suits talking negotiations but a lot of it happens uh, <laughs> you know in the casual moments it absolutely does you know we have different visit uh, different hosts who have different rules some have no rules at all ask me whatever i'll ask you the same questions and that sets the stage for really in-depth conversations even in one evening um, we know many of our hosts have relationships all across the world, and they, pre-COVID, of course, they um, would travel across the world. Many of them still stay in touch. Wow. What has been, for you, one of the highlights of your time in the Iowa International Center? You know, I love going to work every day, so there are so many things to talk about. Let me, let me talk about one of the more humbling moments I had, because that's what really sticks with me. Uh, we have taught English language classes, and we had a group of women from uh, Myanmar, from Burma, and they were all ages, from young parents to grandmothers. Some of them spoke a little bit better, some of them didn't. And one night, it just kind of clicked for me. It was 7 o'clock at night. I'd had a long day. I was there helping with the class. I looked around, and I thought, these women have put in full days. And here they are, trying to learn a language that is really hard to grasp. Mm. And that has stuck with me, you know, especially when over the course of six weeks, I still couldn't say, hello, how are you, in their language. Mm. Um, So those humbling moments make it real for me that it's all about people. It's people to people, whether we're working with immigrants and former refugees or whether we're welcoming international visitors. It's, It's all about those people. Wow, you're right. You're so right. It is... um I think that's that's one of the components as I've had different guests on the podcast to delve in the areas of you know cultural um, creating cultural connection 
uh, throughout Iowa, that's a common theme that is all about the people. Uh, I think that's so often forgotten as we see, you know, the news or political things and it just gets heavy. And at the end of the day, we're dealing with human beings, you know, who have a life and a story and interest and wants and sorrows. And (laughs) um, what are some of the the unique ways that um, you are specifically, like, let's say... uh, someone in Iowa is wanting to learn more, get connected to what you guys are doing, what are some practical ways they can do that? The easiest way to look up our website, iowainternationalcenter.org. That's the easiest way to find out. But we are on social media, and we are talking about a lot of the issues that are going on in the world, both locally and globally. Um, So that is another way to follow us on our social media. Um, We do webinars occasionally. We have three coming up in the next couple of months also will be talked about on social media um we also just talk to people like you um about what we do yeah i understand uh and you and you may not have all this detail because it was in the 40s but that there was a one of the earliest things that you guys have done was uh sponsor a panamanian students trip to iowa 150 students in 1941 (laughs) That's just unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, that's a lot of a lot of students to bring to the U.S. Um, our early days, we really worked very closely with a group of professors' wives from Drake. So, um, between that kind of a trip with those Panamanian students and uh, working with refugees, that kind of solidified our our foundations right there. I mean, I just find that incredible. You know, it's it's it's. I didn't. That, to me, is a direct link, because I grew up, like I said earlier, I grew up in Panama from the age of seven, so I lived there for 25 years, and, uh, you know, I'm a U.S. citizen with a very uh, big heart for Panama, you know, so when I saw that, I'm like, wow, in the 40s, there was students from Panama, 150 of them in Iowa, like, that's really unique to me. Um, Do you have uh, facilitated other types of trips like this for students to come from other places uh, recently even, or... We haven't worked with students recently. Um, we have uh, brought uh, young European leaders to Des Moines. Um, we've worked with the Austrian and the German governments to do that, so they are the, those those young professionals. Um, one of the highlights of all those trips, if we can, is going to the State Fair. Mm, yes. So it's a real cultural anomaly, you know, the State Fair, the size, the food, the the people watching. Yeah. The final cakes. The final cakes. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it is. Uh, I, you know, I think one thing that people here may not realize is just how unique Iowa is. Because we typically, when you grow up somewhere, you just kind of take it for granted. You kind of think, well, this is normal. Well, it's normal to you. It's not normal for other people. So there are a lot of things that are very unique and exciting about Iowa for people who are coming in from the outside. Um, the state fair is certainly one of those. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite pictures that we have from um, our visitors is a man from Africa sitting at the state fair eating corn on the cob on a <laughs> stick. You know, they may have corn, but not corn on the cob from the state fair. Oh, you know? and not sweet corn. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> when I was in Africa, the corn was similar to Panamanian corn, very, very hard. Um, you know, it's made more for like flour and maize type things, but our sweet corn here is like, mmm. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, so what are a few things, because obviously there is a myriad of things that you're doing every day and what your role is, and, but I'm sure you've gleaned some things that have been life-changing and have molded you. What are some of those things that we can glean from? 
you know, they all center around the around people. Uh, people here in Iowa are hungry for connections around the world. Um, it doesn't matter what kind of a job they have or what they do in their spare time, but they really are hungry. Um, during the pandemic, we didn't have we haven't had any visitors for two years, and we have a, a group coming later this this summer, and we have a waiting list for people to be hosts because they miss that interaction and that learning and that celebration that brings people together. Um, I've also learned that people really are people. You know, my mom, so this is another lesson that brought me to where I am. Um, My mom always said, you know, everybody deserves respect. You don't know just because they look like that or dress like that. You don't know their story. They deserve respect. And I find that that is very influential. That is really powerful when I'm dealing with people. And so I, I take that with me always. Um, and I think the lesson, and you mentioned it earlier, reinforcing how welcoming Iowans really are. Um, you know, if you get on a political or, or whatever um, conversation, you may, people may argue that point. But when it gets down to the basics of who Iowans are, that's the way we want to be. People still say hello. People still greet you with a smile. Um, it's rare when that doesn't happen. And that is amazing to many people. That and how um, accessible people are. You are right about the accessibility part. I have said this a few times in this podcast, but I've always been so amazed uh, how quickly you can connect with who you want to connect with in the city and in Iowa, you know, and people are willing, they're, they're excited to connect, they want to help. Everybody's, it's, Iowa nice is not uh, an overstatement. And so, um, <laughs> so true, it's been my own experience. So as an entity that's all about connecting the world to Iowa and vice versa, um, how did you guys deal with the pandemic? It was a challenge like most or- for most organizations. Um, but we found some really incredibly exciting things that, that happened that kind of surprised us when we, we took a backward look. Um, in 2021, we assisted f- over 4,000 people hmm. in interpretation and translation. So that's a lot of people. That's a lot. That's a lot of people, right. Um, and some of those were through our hotlines. Some of them were phone consultations, you know, in all sorts of different um, manners, books. We translated books and into written different languages. Um, the other thing that we found really interesting is that we hosted virtually people from 76 different countries um, in exchanges. Again, they're virtual, but still connecting Iowans to the world. Wow. I can, I mean, just trying to think about the logistics of that, too. It's a lot of communication that had to have happened, too. (laughs) It is a lot of communications. We're really lucky we work with some um, national representatives, too. So there's a little bit of a funnel that gets down to us. But, yeah, we um, organize those professional visits and and get on calls with three or four calls a week with um, people from all over the world. That's exciting. That's an exciting, that's an exciting job you have. <laughs> Thank you. I, I do love it. I think one of the things that we didn't anticipate with the virtual exchanges is that it opens up a bunch of, of opportunities for people. So from tiny Pacific islands who would never be able to send one person, let alone three or four, um, we, we could have a whole conversation with six. Mm. Um, and so people in the far reaches who don't have money, don't have accessibility. As long as they have a, a decent internet connection, we can we can have a conversation. That's amazing. You know, and I've heard this 
uh, from different people in different industries even that in a way everybody had to adapt during the pandemic and a lot of people didn't even know what zoom was until you know i was used to it because i had recently uh, before i did marketing i was facilitating international nonprofit work and so connecting people and via zoom was kind of normal but for a lot of people that wasn't normal and yet it became a new normal but what i think what real what people many people realized was that in a way it actually facilitated more meaningful, more long, uh, more opportunities to connect with more people, because uh, we weren't limited to only meeting in person. So uh, you've certainly seen that firsthand, but on a global scale, That's right? <laughs> exactly on a global scale. Yeah, and it's here to stay. Yeah, M- maybe not as frequently or as intensive, but it's here to stay. Mm-hmm. No, I, I love that. Um, you know, you mentioned interpretation, and I, I am personally uh, a huge, huge fan of of good interpretation or good translation uh being an interpreter myself um you know there's a there's a level of interpretation that it needs to be unbiased uh to communicate from that person's perspective to the other one listening um you know you mentioned you're facilitating uh hundreds of languages where do you get your interpreters from our interpreters are mostly here in des moines in the central Iowa area. Um, we'd probably do 50 to 60 different in-person languages mm. and offer the rest by phone. Um, there are people here who have had the training, who have had experience as interpreters, as you have, and it's really fascinating um, when you get a, a good interpreter. There are, there are times when you really need an interpreter. A lot of people, um, I, I hesitate to say make do, mm-hmm. um, but children and family members and friends are often thrown into that that role as an interpreter. But there are times when you need that experienced professional interpreter when details are crucial, when the subject matter is um, maybe life and death. Yeah. Um, and it's really important. So our interpreters come from all over. We're always looking for more. Um, one of the languages, uh, some of the Burmese languages um, are really hard to find interpreters. Mm. Um, there's such a need and there are lots of people here, but the need is still greater than the number of interpreters. So we're always looking for more. And again, as as we see more people from all, all different parts of the world come, we're looking for, we always look for other interpreters too. Yeah. Well, sign me up. <laughs> That's great. We love to have skilled interpreters. Yeah. yeah. And you have a, spe- you do a special kind of interpreting, right? You do yeah. simultaneous? I can do simultaneous as well. So yeah, for those who don't know what that is, um, usually interpretation is consecutive, where the person speaks and then there's a pause and the person inter- Well, I've been doing this since I was seven, and so and I've done it for conferences for many years, where literally I'm talking at the same time the person's talking through a headset while people are who have the headset. It's kind of like the United Nations stuff. Remember the interpreter movie with Nicole Kidman? Um, that kind of stuff. But it's super fun. I love it. Um, the thing of that you're doing there and I think this is one of the key things that you guys have in your in your mission and vision statement is you're removing barriers so language is one of the first barriers that people encounter when they're trying to engage with another culture and so it makes all the difference doesn't it it does Um, it's really a foundation of what we do we really believe it's a a right of everyone to have that access in in some way Um, yeah, it's pretty important. It's it's foundational. It you can get better jobs, you can get better daycare, you can have better situations for housing if you can speak the language. Um, and if you can't speak the language, if you have someone in your corner who can speak for you, 
in- interpret your words. And somebody that's been vetted and trustworthy, too. Yeah. So you're providing reliable interpretation for people who need it, sometimes in very volatile situations who need good interpretation then. Um, I think many who are probably traveled or who are listening, uh, you may recall how it was like to be in a foreign country and not know the language and <laughs> what that felt like. And then maybe your tour guide or some one of the people at the hotel speaks the language and it's very like, oh, okay. <laughs> it makes all the difference. Yeah. You know, that being said, though, there are a lot of improvements with Google Translate and and other technologies. And um, they're, they're great on a day-to-day practical, got to go to the grocery store, got to go to the bank kind of basis. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to advocate for those and I don't want to put them down. Yeah. But the, they both have roles, that in-person interpretation. I'm sure you've experienced this and, you know... I, Okay, so there's, there is interpretation, but then there's also understanding the culture. So depending, one of the nice things about having someone who's native to the country that's, is that they also understand cultural context. And so um, we, uh, I've seen that firsthand because sometimes you can say the same thing, but depending on how it's said or, or some of the, the choice of words, it can mean something very different. <laughs> depending on the culture even in latin america some words in six different countries have different meanings you know uh and so it is really nice that you're using local people who are from those countries to be interpreters yeah we love it they're great people we learn a lot every day so um is there any way that you know beyond people learning more about the iowa international center ways that people in iowa can support the iowa international center specifically Uh, sure um, support comes in lots of ways. Um, a lot of it is volunteering. We have, on a day-to-day basis, we don't have a lot of opportunities for volunteering. Some office kinds of things, maybe. Um, but in the near future, we have a, a number of events coming up that we know that we're going to need some assistance on, whether in planning or just, you know, that day of heavy lifting kinds of things. And then there's always a the financial support. I And I never want to lead with that. Um, but that's important. It's a real thing. <laughs> it is a real thing. And we do a lot of work. And sometimes we have, we're a staff of five right now. Um, so we're doing a lot of work. And well, um, there are opportunities to serve in, in bigger roles. And we'd love people to join us in any way they can. What are some events that are upcoming that people could potentially get involved in? The biggest one is Passport to Prosperity, which is our annual event that acknowledges and recognizes five immigrants or, or and former refugees for the accomplishments and contributions they've made in Iowa. Um, mm-hmm. It can be social, it can be economic, it can be um, in the arts, education, whatever it is. People are nominated by their peers, and it's reviewed, and, and five people are selected every year. So used to be just a gala but now it's a week of events wow yeah what what you know the date what are the dates for this yes it's the first week in october okay um and the gala will likely be on the 7th we're nailing that down right now but there's also a scavenger hunt Hmm. um and it's it'll be based on what iowa does what des moines does internationally here in our our, our town last year we went to the kosovo consulate and we went um where else do we go? There are all sorts of places that we can go. Um, and we'll do a webinar on refugees and immigrants that week, and we'll do a trivia night. So we're really trying to appeal to different groups of people with each of those events. Wow. And this is open to anyone who purchases tickets, or is there... Some of them are free wow. events, yeah. Um, trivia is free. 
and the webinar is definitely free with trivia you might need to i don't i'm not a trivia player but if you buy a mulligan you know yeah. freebie <laughs> um we might we might ask you to pay for that but um only the gala is actually ticketed well i'll definitely be adding this to my calendar and Great. Uh, i think you know there i don't know if people realize this but there are at least this starting this year especially because of the pandemic kind of kind of at bay now <laughs> uh but where there are so many events for learning and uh if you have children to to expose your children just like you were saying pat just those little experiences with your uncle just getting to glean from him uh these can make all the difference in people's lives um so we will put the information for that event as well on the description in the podcast so that if you're interested you can find out more anything else that we should that anyone here should know before we we don't all think in global terms we really do think locally um, but they are so intertwined that um, when we promote one we're actually promoting the other um, we'd love to see more people get involved maybe as dinner hosts home mm-hmm. hosts um, if you wanted to have a, a group at your your home or host them at a restaurant um, we'd love to see that but I think what's important is that we remember that uh, we are all interwoven. Our lives are interwoven. Even here in the Des Moines area, whether it's workplace, uh, whether it's entertainment, um, it's it's all about respecting one another and making space for one another and appreciating our culture, our food, how we live our lives. So right. So good. Pat, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been great to talk with you. Yeah. And for all those who are listening, until next time. <laughs>